All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have Gabe Yanez, who's been working with us here at NC Fit for a really long time. He runs sales and marketing. He's done an amazing job for our organization. We dive in today of this idea of should your price be on the website or should it not? The pros, the cons, and then we also dive into a few other areas that are really tangible takeaways for anyone who's an owner or coach out there looking to maybe incorporate nutrition in their programs or for brick and mortar, we share a few different insights and concepts that we're looking to either incorporate NC Fit or we already have and seen success with. Before we dive into the episode, just want to remind you, Gabe is the man behind the collective. If you haven't talked to him and you're a gym owner out there, you definitely need to. Our session plans, our programs, but also our business tools and our private Facebook group are world-class. We can't wait for you to check them out. Email collective at nc.fit for more information. And as always, if you could leave us a rating or review, share this with another gym owner who you think will see value. We'd really appreciate that. Let's get into an amazing episode with Gabe Yanez, and let's go. So you and I, we've been talking for a long time now, Gabe, and we were discussing this idea of pricing on our website or not. And when we first started the gym, I don't think we had pricing on the website. And I think the reason for that is I want to try and get as many leads in the door without worried that maybe they're thinking it's too expensive. So once they came in, I was able to show them the value. Then I would tell them the price. And I felt like I had a higher conversion rate because I was getting more leads. But over the last you know, 12, 13 years, we've pivoted away from having our price on the website and excuse me, to having our price on the website. So I want to talk to you a little bit about pricing on your website. What does that mean? What are the pros? What are the cons? And what are we doing here at NC Fix? I think it's a really, it's a really cool topic because it actually can move the needle in a, in a variety of different ways. Yeah. So Jay, thanks for having me on. I think this is a, a super interesting kind of topic because I see the pros and cons for both sides, right? We we're talking about this. We've been talking about this a lot. And I think that, you know, you can make the case for not having pricing on the website when you know, if you're just trying to get people in the door, which a lot of gyms right now are, right? Like as, you know, hopefully we move away from this COVID craziness, as restrictions start to lift up slowly, as people start to get a little bit more comfortable, you know, as gym owners, we want to make it as easy as possible for people to come in so we can explain to them, hey, here's the amazing service that we offer. Here's all the things that we're doing to keep you safe and make you feel comfortable and sometimes a website isn't the best place to really portray that value proposition. The best way to do it is to talk to you, right? Like you're the passionate owner. Like if you get me in front of someone, I'm going to sell them on a membership. So the argument about, you know, the argument for removing your price from the website is, you know, then do you get yourself in front of some of the people that might be price sensitive? So if you're $150 a month, for example, and someone is, that's going to be like a hard stop for them. Potentially not having that pricing on the website means that they'll fill out an interest form so that you can email them and have them come in. And then once you sell them on how amazing your facility is, how awesome your coaches are, and all the safety precautions you have, they won't bat an eye about paying that 150 But if you had had the price on the website, if that's the first thing they see, they might just move to the next option because that seems too expensive and they haven't had the chance to talk to you yet. So that's the argument for not having it on the website. But I know that, you know, I personally, and this happens to me all the time, 
if I even have to go to three different pages when I'm looking for a service or anything and I can't find the price, I get fed up and I just like walk away. Like, I don't want to be, I feel like I'm being bamboozled almost, right? Like, I want to know how much is this going to cost me before I spend more of my precious time and energy kind of figuring out if this is a good fit for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a really great conversation. So currently we should set the record straight on the collective on, on everything we do as a company, we put the pricing out to the public. So whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is for us, we put the pricing out ahead of time, but there's a really great constructive conversation about not having the price out. And I think that nowadays, because things are more virtual, especially because of COVID, I think that maybe things have shifted even a little bit more, but you're right. I think it's a double-edged sword. If you don't have it, if you do have it, you might turn someone away because they're going to look at the price and maybe they are just like, no nah, way, 150 bucks, never even come in and see the value. The opposite side is that if you don't have the pricing, you have someone like you or even someone like me who looks at different websites like, dude, I don't want to deal with this. I feel like I'm going to go in there and just try and get sold. I'm going to, because it almost is like old school car buying, right? Back in the day with cars, you'd go into the lot and you knew those guys were going to try and start high and finish in the middle, right? You knew it. But nowadays with all these different car websites and whatnot, it's pretty much what you see is what you get. And so I wonder how the industry shifted over the years. But I think the most important part about this conversation is that there's pros and cons to both. And what do you want to do about it? And what are your next steps? So I guess let's start with one thing. We put the price on the website. Why have we kind of planted our flag there? And then what would make us more open to getting rid of it? I guess is my question. Yeah. So I think that, you know, and this was actually predates my time with the organization. So I got this from Matt, who always has an amazing pulse on things that have worked well and things that haven't worked well in the past. And I think that's something worth diving into because Matt, our, our president, knows the numbers like the back of his hand. And I think that that's the important part, right? It's making sure that whatever decision you make, whether the one in the past we made to go to showing our prices or any decision we make in the future should be something that we're making based off of data, right. not based off of you know a blog post we read or an email we got, or these guys are doing it this way, these guys are doing it that way. Like You have to understand your business, your numbers, and use data and metrics, not emotion and who you follow on Instagram to make any decisions. So I think that that's super important off the bat. Now, I know that, you know, we had some issues in the past where, you know, it just wasn't, it, it's exactly what we mentioned. It's, we were frustrating leads more than we were getting them in the door, right? Like, even if we did get them in the door, there was just like an immediate, like, well, what's the price question? Couldn't find this on the website. We would get emails asking for the price. And I think that that, you know, and this is me making an assumption to kind of give a reason to the data. I think that where we're located in the Bay Area, California, is a very specific demographic of a very, very educated consumer that is constantly purchasing things online and making almost the entire purchasing decision online. And I think that that's one possible reason that can explain why for us specifically, trying that didn't work out really well and we reverted to how we do things now. You know, I mean, you know this, a lot of our members at our locations here in the Bay Area, you know, they're signing up on their own. Like it's not the usual, you know, type of person that wants to come in, take a tour of the gym, talk to someone, you know, they want to see a website, see the value proposition, everything super clean, make a decision there. They're either in or they're out. 
Yeah, and then vice versa, right? You have other gyms where it's totally different and you have different types of boutique gym or not even boutique. So where, where I grew up, right? When I was selling gym memberships at the conventional gym, it was all about price. It was always about price because essentially you were competing with the exact same, they were commodities, right? 24 Hour Fitness and then our brand at the time was called Milpitas Health and Fitness. They had the same ellipticals with the same services. And so you were always competing on price. Whereas in our business, the more boutique fitness space, it's you're kind of competing on service, in my opinion. It's a little bit different. It's not so much the price is more the service. But back then, I remember the first thing someone would ask me, I'd be like, hey, welcome to the club. My name is Jason. I'm just going to go ahead and take you on a tour, show you all the different things going on. I don't want to take a tour. I just want to know how much it costs. But that's why for us, we never, you know, we didn't lead with the price because we wanted to try and close them. And we'd have like the, you know, all the different sales tactics. But I think over the years, there's been some gyms like um, Fitness 19, for example, that's led with price because they're just going to win on trying to be the cheapest. And I think for us at our gyms, we're not trying to lead by being the cheapest. But the problem is, is that when we're putting our prices up at 150 and another boutique center isn't putting their prices up, who has the advantage when it's just, then does it go based off whose website is more appealing, who answers their phone? I mean, I'm wondering because there's no perfect answer to anything, but there's definitely these intangibles that help the sales process get from point A to point B. And even if you had, for example, no, no pricing or pricing, but your sales process sucked on either one, it doesn't matter if you had it or not. Right. You know, is, is I guess like where I'm trying to go. Right. No. And that's a super good point. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's, we're talking about this decision, whether to have them or not, but it's, it's one small piece of like the entire process, right? Like once you get those people in, like, do you know how to have that conversation when they do bring up that price is an issue for them? Like, you know, and one thing that, you know, Matt mentioned that was one of the reasons that we moved away from not having the price on our website was also because sometimes that could be perceived as the price being dynamic or negotiable, right? Like if it's not there, then, you know, it's not super clear. It's not black and white. Then it could become a thing of like, well, you know, like 199 is a little much and there's an expectation there that maybe that budges. And it goes back to you were saying about, you know, how it was when you go buy a car. Right. Because you go buy a car in the past and you know that the price that they have on that sticker is like, that's the starting point. We're, yeah. we're going to battle yeah. Yeah. once you start talking. So I, I think that, you know, the advantage to having the price and leading with the price is just putting that out in the open, black and white. And another point that I wanted to make that I think is unique to where we are specifically and is another reason why we do have it on our website now is you know, the orange theories, the row houses, the more boutique spaces in our area aren't priced that much lower than when we are, right? Like we are in an area where there's a lot of like higher end boutique gyms. So it's not like the consumer that's shopping for us is expecting to find a $49.99 a month membership. It's not that far off. So we think that you know, the trade-off between, okay, you know what you're getting. Here's what you can do for unlimited. Here's what you can do for open gym. Here's what you do for a punch card. That's out in the open. Now, do you want to come in and have a conversation or not is better than the frustration of them not knowing. And I think that it's very few people that are looking for the type of gym that we offer that's clearly depicted on our website that'll be just completely turned away from a certain price point. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting about like the, the discounting factor, right? I mean, JP talks about this at brick where he has like a, 
uh, basically like a board that's above the front desk that just clearly shows the pricing. And um, it's interesting because you're right. Like, and, and I wonder what happens over time with that. So let's just take car buying, for example. When you don't, when you see the price, you just know that, hey, we're going to try and, if it says 20,000, we're probably going to end up at like 18, let's just say. But I wonder if we have that same perspective for the gyms. And I don't think the boutique fitness space has like that same like assumption. But I think by having the price on the website, it clearly nullifies that, hey, this is the price is the price. You're either in or you're out. There's not really going to be this negotiation. And coming from a guy who used to negotiate our prices all the time, going back in time, I wish I never did. Um, one of the worst things, not one of the worst things, but a bad thing for our business was we did a lot of bro deals. We did a lot of discounts. And what happens, especially COVID, you know, I remember doing some deals for some people that were 50 bucks, 75 bucks. Some people prepaid for a year and I just took cash, whatever I can get because I was trying to make ends meet. But when you look at it, it sets the tone for the future. So let's just say you charge them 500 bucks for the year or whatever it is. Now you keep doing that ongoing. And as COVID hits and you have limited capacity, if you have a lot of those people in your fitness center, the challenge is if they're only paying you a fraction of what, you know, if you can only fit 10 people and five of those 10 people are your, your decreased price point, it could cause you some challenges in the future. So that's something to take into consider as a new owner, trying not to discount unless, you know, you need to evaluate what is your price needs to be to become profitable. And then whatever that is, stick with it. Because as soon as you discount, 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 it leads into some challenges in the future that we've seen ourselves. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that, you know, there's some value in this conversation too for, you know, a lot of personal trainers that I know listen to this podcast or people that are offering, you know, online coaching, whether it's nutrition coaching or fitness coaching online, because it's so important to know, like, what is your time worth? And if you're a business, it's exactly what you said, right? Like, how much do you need to charge for a membership for your business to be profitable? Did you map out those numbers and do you know what that is? And then if you know what that is, like you deviating from that, you having that approach of like, I'll take what I can get just to have a membership. Like now you're just having another body in the room that you need to service that isn't getting you to the goal of having a profitable business. So are you really helping your business grow by having this whole, like, you know, I'll take what I can get mentality just to get members in the door. You're not, you're actually setting yourself up for really slippery slope and failure. And I think that for a lot of the personal trainers and coaches that listen, same thing applies. Like how much is your time worth right now? Like how much is the service that you offer worth? And then having that same approach of knowing what that value is, knowing what that price is and going out and, and really standing behind it. I think it's super important. Yeah. I mean, you brought up a really good idea earlier where there's like a, a if you didn't have your price on the website, there's like this sales flow. And then at the end, it asks you how much would you be willing to pay for the solution to your problem. And I thought that was a really interesting idea. Um, can you talk about that? Like how basically someone inquires, there's a questionnaire and at the end it says, hey, if I could solve your name the problem, weight loss problem, would you be willing to pay X, Y, Z? I thought that was a cool, I don't know how it relates to an actual gym owner, but maybe for a personal trainer it could work or a nutrition service. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole idea is, you know, as we're trying to get better, whether you're, you know, a personal trainer or a coach or even a gym, I think that this does apply, you know, as we're getting better to sell our service online, clearly communicate the value proposition online. And also because our time is valuable, you know, disqualify people that just, you know, aren't a right fit as soon as possible in the process. I think that a good way to do that, if you sell 
a super high ticket service where it's not maybe appropriate or the best approach to lead with a price, I think that whether you have like an intake form or this could be done, you know, if you're doing what they call, you know, intros or no sweat intros in your gym, just making sure that like in the information that you're getting from a potential client, once you say, Hey, like what brought you to the gym? Okay, great. You want to move a little bit better or lose this weight. Like we can do that here. And here's how we're going to do it. The plan is a, B and C it's going to take us three months. You're going to come to class, maybe some PT sessions, but we're going to get you there. I think that then turning it around and posing them the question. So if we're able to do this in three months, like, you know, what would that be worth to you? Would it be worth $200 a month, 250, 300, and kind of getting a pulse for how much do they value the problem that you're solving? And the more I think about it, the more I think that this is appropriate in more of like a digital like intake form setting. Yeah. Because I think that it's a little weird to like just. It is a little that, weird. Right? Like you're you're out there at the gym. You're like, hey, so uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how much is this worth to you? But yeah. I think that in that in that you know whether you're doing this through an email flow or an intake form or just information you're capturing before they come in, I think that that does two things. The first thing it does is it does weed out people where it just might not be a fit. Like if you're not in the ballpark, if uh, option A, B, and C are all completely out of their budget or what they're willing to spend for this solution, then they're obviously not going to take the next step. If they do, then that's a huge sign for you because if you included that in your onboard and they came in and are talking to you anyway, you know that that isn't an issue for them. They might have some questions, some concerns, some reservations, but they saw what the three options were And they're still there. So that tells you one thing. And then I think the second thing it does, which is pretty cool, is, you know, the three options that you lay out, the first option is actually your price. The second one is a little bit more. And the third one is even more. And if they answer B or C, you know, they're telling you that they're pretty much already sold. Like, if you can actually solve that problem, not only am I willing to pay what the price of this offering actually is, like, I'm willing to pay a little bit more. And so I think that that's super valuable because it not only qualifies your lead as qualified or unqualified, but it qualifies out as warm, hot, or just a regular lead, right? Like it really tells you their level of interest. So I think that that's a super useful tool, whether you're doing that through an intake form or an email flow that's just getting a little bit of information before they come in, before you get to talk to them. Yeah. So to summarize what you're saying, I think it's actually a really cool idea. I do think that in the brick and mortar, maybe it's a little bit weird. Um, but on an online sales flow for, let's just say, let's just take a nutritionist um, who, you know, there's a, there's a flow. It's like, it's a bunch of questionnaire. And at the end it says, Hey, if I could solve your nutrition challenges, would that be worth $500 to you? 600, 800 is what you're saying basically. And then if they go back and, or would you be willing to pay this amount? And if they click on it, boom, you got a new lead that, that has now confirmed that the pricing is in line with what their, their, their expectation, right? Exactly. Right. So it's, it's almost putting the price out there before you, you know, maybe spend 30 minutes or an hour. If like your, you know, your onboard console is that detailed, you know, it's putting that out there to make sure that, you know, no one's time is being wasted. Because again, if you are not going to include your pricing, you know, you never want people to feel whether they end up signing up or not, that they were kind of, you know, bamboozled into talking to you. And, 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 you know, this was way different than what I expected. You definitely want to set expectations. Yeah. And I think that talking about setting expectations, I do think, you know, I know, I know there's benefit to not having your price on the website because you might get more leads. 
but like I, for one, if I'm interested in doing something, let's just say it's a privates in jujitsu I'm interested in. Like, I kind of want to know what I'm getting myself into more or less from a pricing perspective before I go for that session, because I've had it happen before where my expectation of something was not what it actually was. Like I didn't ask the right, like, let's just say I call in, Hey, I'm interested in doing whatever. All of a sudden at the end of the session, I get billed $200, $300, whatever it is, but I was anticipating maybe a hundred. Now it kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth because I felt awkward asking when I actually got there, I felt a little uncomfortable and that's on me. Right. But I, but I wonder how many times that happens to people where their expectations of the price and what actually occurs when you're there in the setting gets kind of convoluted. And I wonder if that is also causing people not to come back. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Someone comes in for a consultation and they feel uncomfortable saying, Oh, like that was way more than I thought, you know? Well, that's where I think that two things. I think that, you know, what JP has mentioned is super important for that. But also I just think that it's important to clarify what I definitely don't suggest. And I think is a definite no go is to actually have the service happen without discussion of the price, right? Like what we're talking about here is we don't want to have the, or the argument is you don't have your price to get people to have a conversation about the service. Like there's never actually an actual service or a class or a session that happens. And then it's like, oh, by the way, this was a thousand bucks, right? Like, I think that that we can both agree on is like a definite no go. But that's where I do really like, you know, this idea that, you know, JP, one of the guys on our on our team um, that has his own brick locations um, utilizes and that we're currently working to implement at our locations ourselves is having like this very clear at the brick and mortar location, like almost like a super nice like menu, right? And we've all walked into like super high end, like, you know, like those salad bar type places where like, you know, they have the super cool chalkboard behind the front desk and it has everything laid out and, you know, the additions are this much. It's having that same, you know, um, kind of setup at your front desk that clearly outlines punch cards, single session, monthly, all this stuff in retail, and just makes it super clear. Because I think that what that does is two things. A, it obviously has the price out there. So it's all out in the open. But B, it constantly reminds people. It's a constant reminder that, oh, you sell perfect bars for three bucks each. Oh, you sell punch cards that I can maybe get someone as a gift for a hundred bucks. Like the more that that stuff is being highlighted in a way that's tactful, right? Like you don't want to always just be blasting people with offers and sales, but just having like a really nice that matches the the aesthetic of your gym menu of offerings um, has a lot of advantages. Yeah. I mean, a, a, another great example of, and again, this is maybe just happened to me. I'm sure someone listening is probably like not in their head. Like, yeah, this has happened to them too. I, uh, I'm like really weird about haircuts. Right. And a lot of times they do a terrible job at these like mom and pop shops showing you what the price is. And so I just sit down. I probably should say, hey, how much is a haircut? But I just assume it's like, I don't know, 20, 25 bucks, whatever. I went into one place one time. It was like 50. And I just felt so bad. But but I wondered, had they had the pricing out there and I knew that going into it, then maybe that would have been okay. Because I knew that heading into the haircut, it was a premium haircut. They, I don't know, whatever. But I think your whole menu card is a great idea there because then it it, it re- reduces this, this um kind of awkwardness that can occur and it optimizes your potential to have additional sales opportunity, right? Where you do have the menu of different waters and different things you have there front of front and center, or, you know, 
know, punch cards or whatever else you have available. I think that's a really cool idea. It's like a sandwich board that goes up there is, uh, you know, hopefully we get those up in the gym pretty soon. I'm, I'm excited to see those. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing that I, I kind of want to summarize here from, from this entire, you know, conversation that we're having, and I think it's a really good discussion that we're having even internally for our locations, is this idea that regardless of which way you go, whether it's having the prices on or not having them there at all, just making sure that like, not only is the initial decision to do based off of something more than just this one person said, or I heard this on this one podcast, which I feel like, unfortunately, you know, whether it's people and fitness routines or people and diets they should follow or gym owners and stuff they should do for the business. I think that we fall into that way too often that, you know, it's just one person says something and makes a really compelling case for it. And you're like, man, that has to be the solution. And I just can't stress enough how same way everyone's body's different when it comes to nutrition, like every gym and business is so different. You have a different demographic, you offer a different service in some way or another. You know, there's a different angle that you might have. PT might be your bread and butter. The fact that you have the nicest aesthetically looking gym might be your bread and butter. It might be that your coaches, your classes, obviously we all want to have all of these, but we all have different angles that like make us unique in our space. I said the different demographics and just being, you know, having a different customer base and also different competitors around you. Like that's another you know, consideration. Like, are you one of 10 gyms that do the same thing you do? Then your messaging and your pricing might have to be a little different than if you're the only one in like, you know, a huge radius. So I just really want to stress that all these things vary from gym to gym. And it is incredibly important to, when you do make a decision and make a change, to carefully track the impact that change has. And like with everything else, change one thing at a time right? Like if you're going to take your prices off the website, don't do that at the same time where you now change the type of lead form that you use, change the email flow that you welcome them with, change, you know, the offer that you're offering on social media, because now say things go up in a really good direction or don't move at all, or maybe not don't move at all, but go down in a direction. Now, which of those four things had that impact? Yep. It's really tough for you to say. So I think that that's super important is, you know, picking a time period. I think a month is a really good time period to test stuff like this, changing one thing, right? Hey, I'm going to remove these prices from my website. And then does that tenfold your leads and you're converting more? Great. Then that might've been the move all along. Does it not change anything? Then maybe you go back to the way you were doing it before and try and change something else. Yep. Yep. Inputs, outputs. I think you're, dude, you're spot on. I think for anyone who's interested in that conversation about pricing in particular, right? You don't want to change at the same time you change your input form. But you know, it's so funny that you talk about input form, just to kind of like, this is total tangent. But you know, me, you and Laura, were talking about this idea of we were using what Google AdWords, and you reduce the clicks down by what one click, and that brought up the amount of leads by like 10 20%. Is that what it was? Like, it was yeah. one change in just this onboarding process, right? Or, or lead process, I should say, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like consolidating a landing page for our location so that instead of people having to click on the ad and then say, Ooh, I want Redwood city, click on the Redwood city page or, Ooh, I want Campbell click on the Campbell page. We just consolidated those to where it was all in one page. Now eliminating that increased our conversions by, by a significant chunk. And again, you know, I I would encourage anyone listening to, really start paying attention to how they 
act as consumers on their phone. Cause I notice this as like a marketer and a sales director now all the time. Like if I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see an ad and I swipe up and it isn't immediately the one thing that kind of made me interested, I'm over it. Right. Mm. Because I have to click one more to see like the hat that was in the picture that I actually clicked, but it sent me to like, you know, the, the Carhartt homepage, not that specific hat. So I'm over it. I'm not going to buy it. But if the company does a really good job at, I see an image of that hat and that's kind of what like, Oh, I'm going to swipe up. And then I'm literally on the page where that hat is there with the price. And I can just add it to my cart. I'm so much more likely to convert than sending me to now try and go find the one thing that interested me in the first place. Yeah, dude. It's the, the one click. So yeah, there's a lot to this. There's a lot to unpack in the price versus not price. I think it's a really big conversation. If someone who's listening to this has a price or doesn't have the price or feels really compelled in one way, shape or form, let us know. Um, you know, a lot of you who are part of the collective, you guys know who Gabe is. Gabe, uh, you know, has been running the collective for a really long time in sales and marketing at NC Fit. And if you don't know what the collective is, I mean, we, we do a hell of a job. I mean, you do a hell of a job, Gabe. I mean, I'm going to give it to you. Uh, from session plans and programming, that's one piece. But all the additional business tools, the Facebook group, the engagement that you have. I mean, if you're a gym owner out there or a coach and you feel like you're kind of on a little bit of an island or you could feel like you want to be a part of a network, uh, Gabe does an excellent job. And so hit us up at collective at nc.fit, right? That's the best place? Yeah, the best collective email? at nc.fit. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions, and again, we just want to talk to gym owners. So any feedback, any questions, interested in the collective, even better. Let us know. Our website does have the pricing, so you can go on there and check out <laughs> how much the collective actually is. We're not hiding anything from you guys. Um, but yeah, collective, super important tool there. Um, and we are offering a 30-day trial right now. So if you go mm -hmm. on the website, you can download a full month of both our programs, NCX and NC Metcon. We've done two weeks in the past, but I think a month is just such a good bird's eye view of what makes these programs really special. In, in, in our opinion. So definitely no risk there to go on, click that button and check out a full month of program. Love it. Well, guys, join the, the network of quite a few gym owners who are using our tools and the tools of the collective to rise the tides. Gabe, thank you so much for coming on, talking about, you know, a variety of different things. We can't wait to talk to you again and uh, hit up Gabe too. He's on the Instagrams, right? Uh, Gabe.Yanez, right. is that what it is? No. Underscore Gabe Yanez. There's going to be a lot of farm stuff on there soon. So oh gosh. It'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, definitely give me a follow. All right, guys. Keep rising the tides. Have a great day. Thanks, Gabe. Thanks.